everyone, my name is Natalie and I'm the Development Director for Burning Coal Theatre Company. I'm here with our own Artistic Director, Jerome Davis, um, and we are here with another episode of Interviews from the Front, which goes over a lot of updates that theatre companies have around the coronavirus. So, hi Jerry, welcome. Hi. Sure, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, so. Great. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit first about the things that we've had to postpone or any losses that Burning Coal specifically sure. has incurred? Yeah, well, there, there, there is a number of things. Uh, we haven't had to cancel anything yet, and uh, we may yet have to, but, uh, but as of today, uh, the 26th of March, we, um, we have had to uh, push th toward the end of June our um, fundraiser, the Cabaret Nights event, which mm. is a two-night event. We're pushing it to the 28th and 29th of uh, June, and that's going to be a really fun evening, uh, <clears throat> if it happens, uh, where uh, a lot of your favorite um, artists uh, from the Triangle will be here singing Broadway show tunes and other sort of songs uh, fun and upbeat and you know some comical and some more sort of romantic or that sort of thing but uh, but it'll be a fun evening lots of good food and drink um, uh, but that we had to push forward and then for the first time in 23 years we've had to, to move one of our plays uh, mm -hmm. the fourth and final play on our main stage season Silent Sky by Lauren Gunderson uh, was one week into rehearsal <clears throat> and um, we still have three and a half weeks to go and so we decided to to pull the plug on it, uh, uh, you know, momentarily we're going to push it into the fall, and if uh, if all things uh, go as we hope they will, we'll be able to open that show in September, uh, a month before we start the new season in October. Sure, um, and those, you know, I think Silent Sky is the kind of play that people can really look forward to as well. You know that funny, witty sort yeah. of play um, at sure. the cabaret nights. Yeah, That's, uh, there's a lot of stuff nice. like that uh, uh, coming up. Uh, the one other thing I will say, Natalie, is that we've also lost uh, a number of rentals here in the space. You know, people had weddings planned, people had other productions that not our own, but other companies that are not going to be able to happen, uh, even if they wanted to. I think we're probably going to be in a something like a lockdown mode uh, pretty soon. And so... Um, so those things are all having to be moved to new dates, and we haven't yet lost a lot of revenue from them, but we're, it's going to be a very busy fall, and that means that dates that we in the fall that we could have rented for, for other events are not going to be available on the calendar now, so it is lost revenue for us. In that, uh, in that respect. And our education programming too, as, as you know well, you were gonna lead a group of our young, uh, young kids from, uh, from one of the schools outside of Wake County who's gonna go with you up to New York for a really terrific um, three-day, four-day four uh, trip to New York uh, uh, where they were gonna see Ivo Van Hove's uh, West Side Story. Um, so To Kill that. a Mockingbird, yeah, uh, with uh, Ed Harris. <laughs> And, uh, and then we were taking them to St. Anne's Warehouse uh, to see the jungle, which is one of the most uh, highly uh, uh, critically acclaimed uh, productions of the last couple of years. And uh, so they were going to have an extraordinary experience with you there. And yeah. that appears to be entirely lost right now because many of the, the students would be graduating and obviously won't, we can't push that into the fall. And even if we did, those particular productions would probably not... 
uh, still be available to us. So, so there's a lot of things that have been lost uh, in school residencies and things like that, but we're trying to hold on to as much as we can and keep fighting to keep them on the calendar. Yeah, definitely. And fundraising, I think, is also something that's can be time sensitive. Um, yeah. So just because something's being postponed doesn't necessarily mean everything's perfect. No, there's a little idea of uh, sort of momentum or critical mass that, that yeah. builds up toward a, a fundraiser, for instance, or, or a production of a play. And, and if you stop in the middle of it, we don't know what's going to happen. I don't think any of us do, really. Nothing like this has ever happened in, in my lifetime. I guess World War II uh, was was the most, um, the closest to that for, for um, some countries, like in England, you know, where um, they, they were being bombed uh, uh, by the, the Nazis. Uh, uh, and still they didn't close down the theaters, though, uh, remarkably. And so this is even, in some ways, it's not worse than that, but in some ways it's, it's a more radical change in perspective than, than even that. Sure. Um, do we want to pivot a little bit to some other upcoming projects? Sure. Um, we've got a new season that's been unveiled. Hopefully second stage is still happening. That's all yes. really exciting. Yeah, the second stage series will, if it happens, will happen in June. And we're ho ho hoping that that will be the case right now. We have three plays uh, coming in. She Cow Productions, who did uh, a play called Worried a couple of years ago, has a new play coming in, ironically and appropriately called Just Deal With It. <laughs> and uh, I don't think there's ever been a more appropriate title uh, for this moment in time. So we're, we're looking forward to that. Uh, and then uh, we also have a new uh, group that has uh, migrated toward this area from the Northeast, from New York City, uh, who uh, will, will be producing a play called According, which is a very physical and kind of site-specific piece. The audience will be on its feet a lot and moving around and seeing the building and the space from different perspectives. And so we're really looking forward to that. And then the third play on the season is one that we're co-producing um, with Anna Radulescu, who's a young director in this area. And that uh, play is about uh, Hugh Hefner uh, and uh, the Playboy Mansion and all that stuff. Uh, right. And it's a very strange and very interesting and very funny uh, and ultimately kind of poignant uh, look at that world. Yeah. yeah, interesting take. And that one, I think, is called Playdate. Right? Playdate, that's yeah. correct, yeah. Thank you for saving me on that <laughs> one. And then our season starts in the fall. We're going to do four shows, as we typically do. A, a, a Hundred Words for Snow is a one-person one show. Uh, it's a very beautiful uh, play, uh, and uh, it will open in October. It's, uh, funny and sad and uh, unexpected. Uh, bring bring hankies uh, if you come to see it. Um, and then Evita, uh, the great uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice musical mm -hmm. in December. Um, and then the third show on the season is 5th of July by Lanford Wilson, which is kind of a sequel to Tally's Folly, which we did this last year. Uh, and then we'll close the season with our own adaptation of Three Sisters uh, by Anton Chekhov. So, so the season is looking really good next year, uh, and it's going to have some company with some things that are being shifted toward the fall from this uh, spring. It'll be a really busy time. It's going to be a very busy time. Our London tour is probably going to happen, too, in the fall. We've uh, managed to push, push that forward, too. And uh, thankfully, the airline and the hotels and the theaters are being accommodating in terms of allowing us to do that so mm -hmm. uh, so it looks like all of that's going to happen as well do you think you'll open that back up to more 
yes. people if they're interested? Yes, uh, we, uh, we will be doing that. We've split the tour uh, from one large group to two smaller groups, and so oh, we can add new people, um, and uh, that is assuming the coronavirus uh, allows us. We'll be going in August and then again in uh, October. Hmm. Nice. Uh, and a little bit about educational programs that have not shut down right. yet. Yep. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about sure. that? Sure. Uh, our summer theater conservatories uh, for middle school students takes place in June and for high school students takes place in July. And both of those uh, programs right now will will carry on. You can register at burningcold.org or just give us a call at 919-834-4001. We'd love to have all those young people back in this building if we can if we can get them there. Yeah, definitely. Now let's pivot a little bit to back to the pandemic itself. Sure. What do you think that this says about where we are as a nation right now, the pandemic? Well, that's a that's a really good question. I don't think it says much good to be to be honest with you. Um, the statistics are that more than half of the population in this country can't afford a $500 emergency, right? And they would um, have to, you know, radically shift something in their lives if, if such a thing were to happen. And of course, it's happening. It's happening right now. It's happening in the lives of tens of millions of Americans. And so you have to ask yourself the question, does a system that produces that kind of wealth inequality or disparity, does that sort of system deserve to be maintained? Uh, and I think that, you know, a wise person would, would question that. Um, so how the, the, I think the question is, how can we create a safety net for our citizens, which should be the purpose of government, right? Mm. So we have to turn to government and, and demand that they start uh, um, restructuring things in such a way that the average person who works, and everybody I know, I mean, the people who work in the theater world don't tend to be you know, high up on the food chain economically, but they're all very hard workers. I don't sure. know anybody who isn't a hard worker who sits around doing nothing all day. They're working very hard, but they're barely able to pay the rent and, you know, gas and, you know, maybe, um, uh, you know, uh, an occasional uh, week of vacation or something like that. But basically they're living paycheck to paycheck. And, and meanwhile, the, the very few, the very elites in the country that have their hands wrapped around the, the, the levers of power um, are more and more consolidating their control of that uh, wealth and that power. And so, so the government is the only mechanism to stop that. And it has to be uh, done. It has to be now. And we all see it now. It seems like it really is a, a convergence of a lot of different symptoms of our society. It's really been highlighted by this epidemic, yeah, right? All yeah. at the same time. I think so, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, and we particularly see it in the arts. You know, I've been right. doing these interviews for, for a while and, and um, one of the things that I'm hearing from people, and I understand what they mean when they say it, I don't think that they're entirely wrong about it, but they're saying essentially we had nothing and therefore we had nothing to lose, right? And so we got out lucky, you know, and that's not in any walk of life, in any business, certainly that kind of thinking would not be acceptable, right? But in the arts it is acceptable. and. 
So we've got to the point where we accept, you know, the crumbs from the table of joy, to coin a phrase, you know, instead of demanding uh, our proper place uh, of respect and support in the community. Um, and so, um, so this uh, pandemic is, is exposing the fragility of the arts community um, and uh, the degree to which we have a very thin edge of, um, of, of uh, safety net. We, we really have no safety net. And you're going to see it, I think, over the next few months, you're going to see arts organizations starting to close, uh, close down or, or unable to carry on at the level that they had been working at before. Sure. Um, are there things that can be done on a more local level to support arts organizations? Sure. Uh, well, yes. I, I mean, I think so. I think we have to decide whether um, whether we want art or not, right? Uh, we have mm-hmm. to make that determination. Um, I feel like th- if there's one thing that's happened, right. it's people have understood that they crave art through being locked away Out by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I, I'm hoping that people then take that as, a, as an opportunity. I, I, I hope you're right, uh, and I believe you're right, but I also think the average person in this country doesn't understand the arts, and there's no reason why they should. I don't understand brain surgery uh, because I don't do it, uh, and thank God I don't. But uh, <laughs> what I will say is that thank uh, God for all of us. <laughs> right, uh, we, we don't uh, we don't understand what goes on in the arts. The, the most people that come to see a play, they literally think that you walk out on stage and start talking. Right? They don't see the months and months and months of preparation that goes in to getting to that point, right? And so they think, um, you know, that there's very little um, time or money or energy necessary for the art. And so one of the things, to, get, to go straight to your question of what the, what the government can do, local governments, I think, is that they have to start providing uh, infrastructure at a much greater level. We've lost in this state, we've lost a, almost a dozen uh, theaters over the last 15 years or so, some of the biggest theaters in the state, like the Charlotte Repertory Theater, the uh, North Carolina Shakespeare Festival, um, and, and uh, Man Bites Dog in Durham, you know, and all of those facilities, not only were they great artistic uh, performing arts uh, organizations, but they all had buildings, and none of those buildings are still around. And uh, so the, the cities, the towns of this uh, community need to start um, looking around and seeing which of the arts organizations work and produce high quality art and then how can we emulate that in such a way that that we can have more of that if that's what we want and i i certainly think it is um uh, you know uh, the the theater is all too um good at uh, taking what it can get as opposed to demanding what it needs and I think that this is a really good time for us to start demanding. Certainly none of the other industries are shying away from it. The airlines are not saying, well, whatever you guys can afford, you know, uh, they're saying we need X billion dollars in order to keep going. Do you want us or do you not, right? And the government is saying, as they should, we want you, of course we want you, we've got to have you. But the arts community is not saying that. They're saying we'll take whatever we can get. And, and what we should be saying is we need buildings, we need funding, 
and we need the support of the government and the business community and that's what I I'm calling for and I hope other artists will will join me in that on a happier note yes <laughs> um, I get very excited about that how do you think the theater community will bounce back what's what's next well, I think that we're going to bounce back. Uh, we are a resilient uh, bunch, and our audience wants us and needs us. And I think when the doors open, I think you're going to see a flood of people coming in. And I, and I look forward to that day and welcome that day. Uh, my fear is that, uh, that it may not last. Uh, so so um, I think now that we have a little bit of downtime for us to rethink a little bit about, about how we're operating and what we're doing, that we should, as my third grade teacher used to say, use your time wisely, and uh, hopefully we'll be even stronger when the doors do reopen. Mm -hmm. And is there any last thing that you'd like to say to the Burning Coal audiences and the larger community watching? Well, I, I, I want to say that I appreciate uh, everything that every one of you have done for us. There, there's an old saying in the theater, all you need is two boards and a passion. But the pandemic has exposed the fact that you also need an audience, uh, right? And if you don't have that audience, there's no reason for us to be here. So, so it really is about you. It is about the people in the community. And, um, and we want to hear from you and we want to serve you and we're ready to do that. Um, so thank you for your support over the years. Great. Thank you, Jerry. Sure. <laughs> All right. Um, there are always more episodes coming out of Interviews from the Front. We'll see you soon. Thank you.